We've had several kind of significant feast days, you might say, in the life of the church the last several weeks, thinking uh, back to the day of the Ascension. We remember Christ's Ascension to heaven, where we have celebrated last week Pentecost and the giving of the Spirit to the church. This Sunday is actually Trinity Sunday. Um, And of course, it's always Trinity Sunday. Um, The Trinity is at work, always, in all times, in every place. And the Lord is always sending the Spirit to us. So every day, in a sense, is Pentecost. And Christ has already ascended. And so He is Lord over heaven and earth. There are particular times there where we celebrate these things. And for Trinity Sunday, there were several Scripture passages selected in the lectionary. And the first of them, I think, is pretty familiar to you. And if you don't know the, the verse and number, I think you'll recognize the message of it. Uh, it is from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. So I invite you to listen carefully and listen well. For this too is the word of the Lord, which comes to us before Christ's ascension, as he was teaching the apostles what he wanted them to do. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So that passage probably has some familiar sense to you. Uh, When we stand, and Marie often will at the beginning of worship, as we gather, say, our mission at Newland Presbyterian Church is to lead all people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's actually a twist on this verse, or a restatement of it. To go make disciples of all nations. To have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is language of discipleship that we're using. And so, this really gets to the really to the core of what we're to be about here, this passage today. Uh, One of the first words that stands out to us is, I think, is go. That's an easy word to hear. It's a word we like, typically, because we like something to do, most of us. Something concrete, something we can do that is clear and direct. Go make disciples, Jesus says to his own disciples. This is the work that I have for you. But that's really a word that God has been saying to his people well, throughout the entirety of the recorded scriptures. He says, go to Abraham, doesn't he? Go, go forth from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. Go as you receive my blessing so that you might also bless others. Indeed, in your going, you will bless through your family all the families of the earth. Go. It's a great starting point for us, isn't it? We like to go and bless. 
That's the easy one, I think. We all, I mean, don't you all like to bless someone else? Isn't that fun? Doesn't that actually give you something back in return? There's joy there. There's a, a deep sense of purpose of this is, this is really part of who I'm made to be, one who blesses others. But we're also called, I think, to go like Jonah, who was supposed to go to Nineveh, a city he didn't want to go to, so he ran away from it, because his task was to go and to call people to repentance. And that makes us feel a little more uncomfortable, doesn't it? Of course, that's the same task that Jesus had. It's the, the task that he gives to his disciples. Jesus began to go around the region after his baptism, saying, repent and believe. The good news, the kingdom of God is here. God's reign is now uh, coming. The reign of heaven is now descending to earth. We're called to go and bless like Abraham, but, but also some part of that is a call to go and to call people to repentance, which means really just turn to God. Turn, turn towards God. We go like Abraham. We go like Jonah. Of course, Jesus said the only sign given to this generation would be the sign of Jonah, because Jonah ran from his task and went down into the depths and then was raised back to life and put back on the land and carried out his task. And of course, the Ninevites repented, and they did turn to God. Maybe you can find yourself in that story somewhere. Called like Abraham, called like Jonah, called like the disciples. You know, Jesus gathered disciples called Simon, Andrew, James, and John. They dropped their nets where they were, and they began to follow Jesus and learn from him and see what he did as he healed and they heard the words that he taught. And they saw the kingdom beginning to appear on earth. And then Jesus, about halfway through the Gospels, began to pair them up and send them out to go two by two into the surrounding towns and villages and places. And yes, call people to repentance to see that the kingdom of God is here to announce the year of the Lord's favor. And so they go and they began to do. This call to go runs throughout the scriptures. Maybe, I mean, this was the whole message of Easter recently, right? We walked with Mary and Mary to the tomb. They went expecting death. They saw when they got there an angel descend from heaven like lightning, his clothes shining, his face bright, sitting on top of the stone which he rolls back and kicking his feet like a little kid playing there in the face of death. What does death have to say to the Lord of life. And the angel told the women, Mary and Mary, what? Go. That word again. Go tell the disciples that he is risen, just as he said. Go tell them that he has gone ahead of you to Galilee. Go there to meet him. And so that was our word too, to, to go like Mary and Mary, back to our ordinary lives and our routines and to live with a kind of playfulness and joy and peace that comes from knowing that He is risen. Go like Abraham. Go like Jonah. Go like the disciples. Go like Mary and Mary. Go is the word that God keeps giving His people. And now we're hearing it from Jesus to the apostles just prior to His ascension. The last words that He's giving them seem to bear particular importance. Go make disciples. He says to his apostles, 
baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That word to go makes sense to us. We've been hearing it all the way through the Scripture. We like it because we like something to do. It fits. It makes sense. But I want us to go just a little deeper than this. Because something's been swirling for the last few weeks. We're coming from Easter. And the angels call to the women to go. We're coming uh, from this time of the ascension. We're coming out of Pentecost. Today's Trinity Sunday. We're hearing the Great Commission, which is the, the charge to the church. These are getting to some of the deep aspects of who we are, who God is, what we're supposed to be about. And there's some other passages actually selected for Trinity Sunday. The Great Commission is familiar to us. The other passage for today is the entirety of Genesis 1. The story of creation. Where God the Father creates through the Word as the Spirit hovers. You can see the Trinity at work here. That makes sense. And also Psalm 19. Which speaks to us in the first half of creation as pouring forth speech from God. And the second half opens to us the reality of, of the Word. I want you to listen to Psalm 19. It's a beautiful psalm. At the end, it might sound really familiar. Listen carefully and well once more to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving His chamber like a strong man, runs its course with joy. And rising, its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are sure and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Trinity Sunday, Pentecost, Ascension, Easter, the resurrection, Genesis 1, the creation, the giving of the direction to the church of our purpose now in the world, Matthew 28. All of this swirling, coming together, it reminded me as I was trying to sort out these massive themes of, of a guy named uh, James Jordan. 
who's written a book called Through New Eyes. It's about how to read the Scripture and to see how they're inviting us to see everything. Um, Zach and Emily came over to our house for supper last week, and uh, uh, Zach got to hear some of the first iterations of this. So Then he was at 9 o'clock because he was saying in the early service. And guess what? He's back at 11. So you can give him a pat on the back later and say, poor guy, here we go again. He's having to hear about this all over. And yet there's something here from James Jordan that connects all these threads for me. He says that creation, the work of the Trinity, every aspect, everything that exists points in some measure to God. It helps us understand who God is through what He has made. Romans 1 talks about this. Everything that's made points to Him. We're without excuse because everything is pointing us towards um, the presence of the Maker who has made it. Psalm 19 says, The heavens pour forth the glory of God and declare His handiwork, all of creation, directing us towards the God who is the Maker of all, the Creator. He says that even the little things point us towards Him. There are different categories of, um, of the creation. He says the sun, moon, and stars point us to God in a particular way. Psalm 19 said that the sun leaves and runs its course through the day like a strong man. It is like a bridegroom coming forth from one end of the world to the other. That word bridegroom should catch our ear. He says the Son reminds us of Christ, who is the, the Son of the Father, but also the light of the world, who shines into the darkness and brings light. The one who entered into the darkness as the light and the darkness could not overcome him. Our regular reminder every day of Jesus is the sun. None of us escape the sun's heat or could exist without its warmth. The moon then reflects the sun. The stars are representative of the angels and the governors of time and space. There's a sense in which in the creation account, Genesis 1, the sun, moon, and stars govern time and rule over it. When we look at the sun, we think of some like nuclear explosion that is extending, you know, particles and waves and all this stuff. But on a basic level, the Bible's telling us this is how we count time and mark it. And despite our understanding of how the sun might do that work of giving warmth, it doesn't actually help us answer the question, why? What is the meaning of it? Scripture tells us that the sun, moon, and stars help us to govern time and think about how we count a day. The passage of the sun from one end of the earth to the other. It's our daily experience. How do we count seasons but the moon, which goes through its phases and helps distinguish month from month and helps us mark year from year as the stars in their courses move through time and help us to count it. These things point to the fact that God governs all things. Even as the light of God shines upon the earth through them. There's the sun, the moon, and the stars. There's rocks and gold and gems. Things from under the earth. These things are above the heavens, right? 
And then rocks and gold and gems come forth from under the ground. Psalm 19 spoke of them as it gathers up the story of creation. In fact, if you looked at the interior of the, ta of the tabernacle, the interior of the temple, they were covered with sheets of gold. If you could imagine walking into that space, just imagine if this space was covered in sheets of gold. Why? Because gold is precious, yes. It is a heavy metal, and glory is reflected as light shines off of it. Glory has the connection to light, which shines and reflects, but also glory, the basic word means weight. Heavy. Gold's heavy. It points us to the glory of God. Rocks themselves, steadfast, strong, sure, and so on, are often used to describe God all throughout the Scriptures. And you heard it at the end of this psalm again, right? These themes coming together right in this place. Let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Got the heavens above, the things coming forth from the earth beneath, even the gems, there are 12 of them, which were worn on the high priest's garment, representing the 12 tribes also sparkling with their glory. There are all these things that reflect trees and thorns. If we have heavens above with the lights that shine forth, and we have things coming forth from the earth that are precious and weighty, what extends between those two things, the heavens and the earth? Well, trees, he says, in the natural world, represent a connection, a ladder between heaven and earth. Rooted in the ground, the trees come forth and form a ladder which goes up, and the canopy of the tree represents the cloud of glory which bears God's light, especially in the Old Testament. I thought that was really fascinating, really interesting. I don't know when the last time you looked at a tree and said, oh, there's a ladder to heaven happened to be, but for me it was pretty pretty long time ago. He's inviting us to see the creation in a particular way, through new eyes, he says. And yet for most of us, I think, if you're like me, you miss most of that most of the time. It's there for us, but we need to see as Christ invites us to see. And for that purpose, James Jordan points out that we've been given three particular symbols in creation that are going to aid us in that process. Three special symbols in the created order. God's Word, the sacramental nature of life, and the human being. So you have to think of the garden, which our passage for Trinity Sunday calls us to. Genesis 1. God creates through His speech, through the Word, things take shape. God sets things in order by way of His speech. And then, after creating humanity... He gives us purpose in the world, work to do, a relationship with Him through language, but also designates parts of the garden for us. Every tree you may eat the fruit of in the garden, except for one. So some aspect which is restricted from us. So He designates things with His Word. And if you keep His Word, you're in communion. And if you go against His Word, you have fallen out of communion. In fact, that's the point. You notice we say communion with God through the world. 
Communion with God happened through the creation that he had made in the garden. They ate of the fruit of the trees, giving thanks to the God who provided it and with whom they walked in the cool of the day. God's word created and gave order in a sacramental world in which everything pointed to God and they understood its connection in relation to God. Sun, moon, stars, gold rocks, gems, trees and thorns and everything in between all related to God, but then they ate wrongly. Why? Because the devil wanted to twist the word, the sacramental nature of reality, and the human being. Uniquely made in God's image. How did he do it? He said, did God really say, twisting God's word, actually you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you do, you'll actually be like God. A different word which in turn invited a breakdown of communion. Oh, the world isn't here for us to be in relationship with God? It's actually, it could be just for me. And so the communion that nature brought to bear upon the man and the woman was broken. And so too was the image of God within them distorted, bent, changed, sullied. The story of the Bible, the story of the Trinity, as this plays out, is the story of the restoration of humanity, especially through these three special symbols, which are modes of participation, so that the whole world is gathered in. So watch how this happens. Three things, right? The Word. What was the next one? The sacraments. What was the next one? Human beings are now being restored. How? The Scriptures tell us that it's important for two or three things to bear witness to the truth. Two or three people need to bear witness. Jesus said that Himself. And so what we see beginning to happen through the ministry of Christ, through the work of the Trinity, uh, through the Spirit, as the covenants play out through time and then Christ's incarnation comes, what we see happening is these three things being restored. God's Word. What are the two witnesses? Well, they bear witness to Christ who is the Word who takes on flesh and dwells among us, full of grace and truth. But notice what happens when we gather together. Uh, now, our sanctuary is a little different than most, um, historically. But typically, on a Sunday morning, you would have an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. You'd actually have three readings, and they'd be read in two different places, indicating two different witnesses. There's a witness that is the Old Testament, and then after Christ, there's the witness that is the new. On this side of the church, you'd have an Old Testament reading, followed by a New Testament epistle or writing from Paul. There would be one witness together, old and new. And then on this side of the sanctuary, you would have the gospel reading read. Two witnesses bearing witness to God's word as it is proclaimed. In this little garden in which we dwell, the Word is restored and the witness is, is, um, is clarified as two witnesses point to that truth. Also, the sacraments restored in Christ. He commands two in particular, doesn't He? Baptism, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, which includes, do this in remembrance of me. 
How many sacraments? Two. Bearing witness. Two witnesses. Baptism to our death and being raised up anew in Christ. And then we come to the table and how many elements are there? Two. Bearing witness. The body and the blood together. Witnessing that we are receiving Christ's life into our own. Notice what happens. God gathers people in from the world. We die and we are raised up. We hear the word proclaimed and restored in us. We come to the table and are fed by Him. And suddenly, guess who starts to look a little different? You and me. Us. Have you seen anybody in this church grow in the last 10 years? I certainly have. And I'm not just talking about the five babies who were here this morning who are growing like crazy. Thanks be to God. I've seen people growing. And yes, that's because God calls us together. We gather around the Word, and it's our principal guide for faith and life. We enter into the sacraments. We share God's life by these means of grace He's given us. And little by little, we are being transformed. So that we can what? Go. And then gather others in. And so that we can go. And little by little, drop by drop, bite by bite, word by word, we are refashioned into God's image. What I want you to hear this morning is this. There's nothing more important than you, that you could possibly be doing than gathering as the church week in and week out around the Word, the sacrament, and those who bear Christ's image and are being remade into His likeness. There could be more fun things. There could be more entertaining things. There could not be anything more important. Go make disciples, Jesus commands us, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, He says, from creation to redemption to awaited coming again. This now is our life. It's the center of it. It's the center which leads us into the very life of the triune God of grace. It's Trinity Sunday. That includes everything. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.